Welcome back to the Weekly Cheese, the number one place for everything Green Bay Packer. This week's episode, Mike and I have a lot to cover. Big things happening in Packer Nation in the week that was and for the week to come. We'll break down Monday's game, give our reactions, our thoughts, and our keen Packer insights, all with a touch of jest in this week's edition of the Weekly Cheese. Us Packer fans, hey Green Bay, we're flying high again. You can't beat us Packer fans. To be a Packer fan, it means to win. We're proud and loud, yet modestly accept the accolades of other fans that know the fans of the best team ever made. No, you can't beat us Packer fans. Go Green Bay all. Welcome back to the Weekly Cheese. I'm your host, Joe Ivan, here with my co-host, Packer Mike, back from his uh, voyage with the Packer Maiden. Uh, Great to have you back, Mike. Uh, Big bounce-back win on Monday Night Football for the Packers in the uh, home opener. The Packers absolutely decimated the Detroit Lions 35-17. It was great to see. We'll get into all that. There's a lot to talk about in terms of what went on Monday, but... Since you were not here last week after following the disappointment that occurred two Sundays ago in the uh, opening week game against the New Orleans Saints down there in Jacksonville, why don't you just fill in? I did express to the audience that you were disgusted oh, with the performance, but for that. Yeah. Give, your, give your thoughts on the week one game, just a few thoughts. Yeah, nice to see you, Joe. Uh, it's great to be back from a short hiatus, unlike the extended Raji hiatus that the Packers are still currently experiencing that's unfortunately the hiatus is still going on with raji <laughs> that couldn't but be more true he could still come back and help he's he not off back the table. at any time it's not off the table. thank you for having me back on the weekly cheese i'm here and uh yeah uh week one versus the saints obviously uh not the outcome anybody in packer nation was expecting but um to those packer fans who were extremely concerned about the outcome to them i would just like to express that the Packers starters on offense and defense really had no work at all in the preseason virtually no reps whatsoever so this opening game kind of served as the de facto week four preseason and as the last exhibition game so I really think that the Packers used that week to really hone in on what they needed to learn and and finalize with the team and kind of just take that week and uh, treat it as week four preseason. You kind of have to because the starters got absolutely no work together. And um, I think you can see from this for uh, second game where the uh, Packers actually had some time to gel together that we're starting to look like the team that you expected. That's an excellent point that the starters really did not get much time together in the preseason. And as much as people want to talk about how it doesn't really matter the preseason, it was important, especially for going up against a team like the Saints that had basically their starters in the entire time. Like Jameis Winston played every preseason game, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. And that defense was that they were all playing. Uh, not to mention the fact that Sean Payton basically had 
months to prepare to whoop the Packers' ass. And in my opinion, that's really what happened there. Sean Payton beat the Packers. The, the Saints looked horrible week two. Yeah. And uh, we'll just move on from it. It wasn't a big deal. No need to panic. And uh, like you said, they looked much more like the Packers were accustomed to seeing on Monday against the Lions. And, yeah, the defense – has yet to really prove that they have what it takes to consistently get stops and, and get off the field. But the offense was back to firing on all cylinders. And personally, I thought it was a beautiful thing to see. And that's, and that's where we'll start. We'll start with the Packers offense. Aaron Rodgers, 22 for 27, 255 yards, four touchdowns, a 145.6 passer rating. It was, it was a tremendous turnaround. Much better performance than we saw week one. And it was great to see. He was efficient and effective all game. What did you see out there from him, Mike? Yeah, I really think Aaron Rodgers played well. He looked back. uh, He looked like Aaron Rodgers again. Week one versus the Saints, uh, everything was out of sync. He missed open receivers, and you could just tell the timing of the entire offense was off. But uh, this week, uh, things looked much better, especially in the second half. Offense looked like they were performing well. It was really they're firing on all cylinders, and it was kind of crazy to see. Like Aaron played great. He was, like I said, he was efficient. Twenty-two for twenty-seven, five incompletions, three of them being prayers to MVS. Hey, if you take out those three deep balls, MVS, the guy had two incompletions on the entire day. And after the game, a very, very serious Aaron Rodgers, a man not not ready to play around. He was. It was cool to see. He looked he looked ready to go after that after that game in that press conference. Yeah, he was serious in that press conference, and uh, you can tell when he snapped at that reporter who <laughs> asked the uh, he asked a very reasonable question. He did. The, the question was reasonable. <laughs> it was the interruption of Aaron Rodgers, which was just not going to be was tolerated from poor, twelve. It was the poorest timed question one could can have, uh, it, and. He, Aaron Rodgers hit him with the sternest of all looks. It was you could hear the guy's sphincter tighten due to his stress. And uh, well, I mean, how could you not read the room there and just tell uh, that Rodgers was in the middle uh, of giving an excellent answer uh, to his subpar question? Oh, he was answering the man's question with much more respect than than he even needed to. He was giving a very great answer. And then to be cut off like that, yeah. So. Well, I think that what was going on there is that guy was uh, trying to sneak in a quick second question. Like the whole time that reporter, if I had to guess, was sitting there just had a second question ready and he didn't want it to be thrown to someone else. <laughs> so he wanted to s- slide the second question in there before Domofsky got on the mic. Right, And yeah. he totally mistimed it. Right, <laughs> yeah, totally yeah. I mean, maybe his goal was to cut off Domofsky there. You know, his questions can be long and rambling. Oh, but uh, It was hilarious. That was hilarious. I'm, he, he And after that, you could cut the tension with the knife. And Aaron did have a, a pretty cool statement talking about, I think he called some of the media coverage the week leading up to Monday Night Chicken shit, if I'm he not did. mistaken. Yeah, that direct was on, quote. That was on the McAfee show <laughs> when he appeared, and he just reiterated uh, how ridiculous the 
um, coverages, specifically from Jermichael Finley. <laughs> yes, and, and I that think was the do not of the week last week, Jermichael Finley. This is a good time to talk about that because Aaron brought up such a such a good point on the McAfee show where he said, you know, how can someone from outside the locker room who I don't talk with, I don't interact yeah. with, he doesn't see me practice, he doesn't see me prepare, he doesn't see any of the team uh, – methodology how can he say that Aaron Rodgers is you know doesn't have the drive of an NFL player anymore it's, it's just honestly it's bizarre if you it, think about it yeah the guy doesn't interact with yeah. Aaron Rodgers yeah. it's how bizarre. would he have any any clue so yeah he was that was not cool I was, was not happy to see Jermichael Finley say that neither was I and it, it just again as Aaron said it always seems like whenever there's a one chance for Jermichael Finley to bash Aaron Rodgers he'll bash Aaron Rodgers he'll take Rogers. any opening he can get much like Jerma- uh sorry, uh, Greg Jennings there Jermichael Finley any chance he can get to bash Aaron Rodgers he seems to pounce on it yeah I'll give J- Greg Jennings some credit that he uh has adjusted his his pettiness and he doesn't really come out and bash Aaron as much as I, I'll give Greg his respect he did do that a lot back in the day and he's gotten better at it but Jermichael just it, maybe it's because that's the only time Jermichael ever has a has a microphone in his face. I guess so. Or someone I mean, asking him a question. It seems like the only time Jermichael Finley is in the media is if he's bad-mouthing Aaron Rodgers, which is so strange because he's obviously a huge Packers fan. We, I, I mean, I, you know what I'm about to bring yeah. up now for the most recent playoff Packer game that we attended, which, you and I. Which, by the way, I heard on the broadcast on the I mean the brilliant Monday night football broadcast team I believe Steve Levy informed <laughs> us that that this was the first sold out Lambeau Field game since the game we were at the was the last packed house was the one we were at where we did see well, yeah so we that game specifically was the Packers versus Seahawks uh divisional round playoff game but, so we were at the game, and uh, this ties into Jermichael Finley because we were down and we were down early. Yeah, in the, I was in the stadium, last we were down that... early in the stands. And uh, oh, you mentioned it. On the I show did. Last I, week. I you, but you could f- yes, feel free so to tell the story we, because uh, I told the exact, exact same one last week. Joe and I were there, also with my sister. And my sister Caitlin, she was approached by this towering man. Well, no, and who was it? No, no, no. Jermichael Finley. No, 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 no. It was his wife. His wife came up. His wife came up to Katie and uh, asked for the photo. Yeah, well, long long story short, we we ran into Jermichael Finley's family. They were there. They were all in these elegant, classy Green Bay Packers jumpsuits that that were <laughs> yeah. looked like they were custom fit and thousands of dollars. They were each. warm and velvet. If they I'm were not warm mistaken. for sure. Those uh, those jumpsuits were exquisite and uh, yeah, yeah, it was so, nice to see them. So Jermichael Fin. Long story short, Jermichael Finley was there at the playoff game in frigid temperatures with his two little children and wife, and they all had the Packer jumpsuits on so. and they weren't in the the warm press box like they were no. down in yeah. the tundra like they were braving yard the line cold. uh like 20 rows up yeah at least they, they were close and they so i mean the cold and i said last week that i would tell them that i wouldn't take the picture after what your michael finley <laughs> said just uh the last week about aaron Rodgers. i said I, that's it i'm uh, i would have told your michael finley's wife that i would not take a picture for her that's what i would have told 
yeah, based so. on his remarks about Aaron Rodgers' motivation levels. So, yeah, Aaron was very serious after the game, and in my opinion, rightfully so. Uh, he had every right to be angry with the coverage that was taking place based on the pretty bad week one game. Yeah, but besides from Jermichael Finley, there's been so much uh, conjecture oh. from the media <laughs> about uh, the state of the Green Bay Packers, yeah. and obviously um, <laughs> it's not a completely uh, – transparent situation what's going on with Rodgers and the media blows everything out of proportion so it's only natural that the players especially Aaron Rodgers specifically would be so frustrated with all the coverage and to just lay an egg week one like that just had to have the pressure had to be immense so I bet it felt great for everyone on the Packers to get as Aaron Jones says we're back to playing Packer football yeah and what I believe he means by saying they're back to playing Packer football is that they, they have a nice rhythm offensively, and it all begins with establishing the run. The Packers on Monday established the run early. They ran the ball 31 times as a team, which included seven out of the first 11 snaps on the opening drive were run plays. Aaron Jones finished the game with 17 carries, 67 yards, and one rushing touchdown. Uh, an absolutely phenomenal day from Aaron Jones. And Dylan, five five carries for 18 yards. It was a, it was a light workload from him, uh, but it's a little understandable because the Packers just wanted to get Aaron Jones going. It was time to get the playmakers going, and that's exactly what happened. Yeah, this was Aaron Jones' night, and we knew it from the first quarter. And you can even tell when Aaron Jones is going to have these games, sometimes you can just tell. And he's on fire, and there's no stopping him. He played phenomenal, and when he's in that zone, he is a touchdown clearly, machine. clearly one of the best running backs in the NFL. Yeah, he showed exactly why he got the four-year extension. He's he's electrifying. I mean, four total touchdowns on the game. And because, like, yeah, the Packers established the run early. They really did. But all – their running stats as a team didn't really jump off the stat sheet. Uh, they averaged 3.1 yards per carry, had 96 total yards rushing. But establishing it early and going to it often got the offense in rhythm. It allowed the passing game to start opening up. It allowed Aaron to get warm and to find the Packers' primary playmakers. And like we said, Aaron Jones, dominant game. He was the first Green Bay Packers running back to catch three touchdown passes since Andy Urum. Joe, do you have any idea what year Andy Urum played in? Uh, not off the top of my head, but I'd guess to like the 50s or something. 1942. So <laughs> suffice oh to say, God. it's been a while since a Packers running back has caught three touchdown passes. So that just goes to show the talent he has and the trust that the coaching staff has to just keep on calling his number yeah and to double down on the on the how surprising that is and how good Aaron Jones is I would have guessed Aaron Jones have has had three receiving touchdowns in a game in his career no, yeah that he he there when he, sure. like you said when he's on the man is an absolute yeah, machine because he's certainly had uh other four touchdown games oh. I know the one against Dal the, Dallas that's right off the top of my I head I think that was four Dallas. rushing touchdowns specifically but yeah the guy is a touchdown machine he's such a good player when he gets going and a lot of help uh from the offensive line tonight who who played good in the run blocking game I would say um the offensive line went as this we had 
Elton Jenkins returning at left tackle. And the big surprise of the night to see my boy John Runyon Jr. That's out there right. at left guard. That's big number 76 was out there. That and uh, I couldn't be happier. I texted you as soon as I saw it. Um, you texted me immediately. And, th- like, there was, that's a massive change to take place on the offensive line. Obviously, here on the Weekly Cheese, we have the countdown to Bach. Certainly. And, uh, I like to think of it at this point as, like, the uh, – that song, like the first day of Christmas, second day of Christmas, on the <laughs> on the second week of the countdown to Bach, who Bach gave to me a starting John Runyon Jr. Oh, it, it's unfortunate Lucas Patrick did suffer the concussion on the final play of week one, one on the QB kneel, was it? And uh, he was in the protocol all week, and and this forced John Runyon to step up to the plate and step in as a starting left guard in week two, and, and it's a. Uh, it's a change that over here on the Weekly Cheese, it got us extremely excited. What's interesting about this situation is that um, although we know Lucas Patrick isn't fully healthy, he was suited up and on the sidelines in full pads. So the coaching staff chose John Runyon Jr., 100% healthy John Runyon yeah. Jr., over uh, you know Lucas Patrick probably with some concussion-lingering symptoms, I would imagine. Yeah, and it's just... <laughs> It's it, it was good to see. I mean, it's not like uh, this had this concussion to LP happen during the QB kneel against the Lions. It'd be a little more a different of a story if John Runyon's first action were to come against San Fran next week. But it was a good game for John Runyon to get the start against uh, not the most oppo- imposing defense, and, and John Runyon could not have played better. I mean, he now for his first real action there was he did uh play in a few games last year but this was i mean this was his first rock solid start and um john runyon jr he played good in the um run game i have to say but there were a few pass plays where he did get beat specifically one on michael brockers where he came in and beat runyon and another one where he just got beat off the line scrimmage but Overall, for Runyon's first significant action as a starter on the Green Bay Packers, I think that he performed well. Yeah, I mean, there's going to be mistakes that happen along the offensive line during the countdown to Bach. I mean, uh, with John Runyon starting the game, that makes the interior of the uh, the, the offensive line that much more inexperienced. And as I was saying, with the lineup, uh, it was Elton Jenkins at left tackle, John Runyon Jr. at left guard, Josh Myers at center, our rookie, another rookie in Royce Newman at right guard, and then uh, Billy Turner rounding out the line at right tackle, who is just a stud, in my opinion, Billy Turner. He's so solid. He, re- um, he really is. And a little fun fact for you regarding the John Runyon performance on on Monday night. Uh, according to PFF, I know PFF stats, people either love them or they hate them, but uh, it does do a good job at illustrating how John Runyon fared on the field on Monday. And he was the fourth highest graded offensive player on the entire Packers team and the 11th highest graded guard in in all of week two for the NFL. And he had the fourth highest pass blocking grade out of all the guards in in, in the league. So, yeah, he did have a few minor hiccups here and there, uh, but that's going to happen. He did not have a horrible game whatsoever. And I could not be more happy for – for John Runyon, uh, 
and it's going to be interesting to see what happens next week. Uh, oh yeah, it's funny how you bring up the inexperience among the offensive line, and that was actually that was the question the reporter asked before he was scolded <laughs> by Aaron Rodgers. He said uh, he was asking something to the effect of, "How do you think the three young uh, offensive linemen fared?" And Rodgers said that he played, they played well, but he said specifically before having to uh, get a chance to watch the tape. He noted that he felt Josh that jo- Josh Myers performed very well, but and uh, yeah, so that's awesome to hear. Aaron give some love to Myers. I'm really excited for Myers' development overall, and just to see where he can take the offensive line once the countdown to Bach. Exactly. Once the countdown to Bach comes to an end, in my opinion, everything goes back to the way it was. The offensive line no longer has any question marks surrounding it. And uh, we could get Elton Jenkins back in the left guard position and really only have to worry about two young and inexperienced guys. It's going to be very interesting, though, to see who gets thrown out there uh, against San Francisco. I mean, San Francisco has one of the elite defenses in the entire National Football League. And uh, if Lucas Patrick recovers from his concussion-like symptoms and gets out of the protocol and has a full week of practice, it'll be interesting to see what, what who's out there. Is John Runyon going to maybe go to the right side, or is Lucas Patrick going to go to the right side? Because Royce Newman, he's been struggling in the with run blocking, and it'll be interesting to see. That's all I'm saying. Yeah. John Runyon played so good that he might have uh, – let's just say he reinvigorated the position <laughs> battle that was going on yeah. all, all preseason. Well, really – once Bakhtiari returns, it'll be a three-man competition for one guard spot because Elton Jenkins will play guard, uh, Myers will play center, and then it'll be who's the best player out of Patrick, Newman, and Runyon to take that other guard spot. And, uh, yeah, it'll be interesting to see if the coaches think Runyon played well enough, or Newman, I should say, to you know keep going forward with yeah. him over Lucas Patrick so both of those guys we'll see it'll be interesting to see the line next week and going forward and in my opinion it is a testament to how good the young uh linemen are on the Green Bay Packers because Lucas Patrick was a he's a very good starter for, and he was a good starter for us last season and the Packers uh, on that number one offensive line in the league Lucas Patrick was the starting right guard Oh, yeah, you, Lucas Patrick, sorry. But I, what I was going to say is the depth on that line. I mean, we have uh, Newman is a fourth-round draft pick, and Runyon is a sixth-round draft pick. Yeah. And it's just uh, good to have all these big boys on the O-line. For all Rogers. hands on deck. Going to need the linemen down the stretch. And it was just a great game. great to see the Packers' offense looking back to normal. Like I said, it really started with getting the primary playmakers involved. And with that being said, Devontae Adams had a, an absolutely monstrous performance, eight receptions for 121 yards. He didn't get to touch the end zone, which I thought was a little disappointing. But when Aaron Jones has four touchdowns, there's only so many touchdowns to go around, you know? Yeah, the passing game really was uh, effective the whole night, even though we didn't have the big uh – the big long completions that you're used to seeing in the Aaron Rodgers offense. And I went back and I watched the, the Peyton Manning broadcast and he had some keen insights there to share with Packer nation. He said the reason that you saw such a short passing game the whole night and not too many deep shots from Aaron Rodgers is because the lions were lined up in two deep safeties the whole night to try to take away the effect of the long pass from MVS they, they, and Devontae Adams. They basically just said to themselves, we're going to do exactly what the Saints did. 
we're, we're just going to do exactly yep. what the Saints did. We're not going to change it up, and that's how we're going to beat them. And they, uh, answers. they, uh, Manning on his broadcast pointed out that they were daring Aaron Rodgers to, you know, get greedy and try to test the two deep safety coverage. But no, he kept, he stayed, uh, patient. He dumped it off to Aaron Jones clearly when he needed to. He took the short passes when they were available. So, uh, Peyton Manning's evaluation of Aaron Rodgers was that he played absolutely phenomenal and he was so pumped up when he threw that pass to Tunyon when he threw it on the line that, was... that bullet pass Peyton Manning jumped up out of his leather seat and was celebrating and uh that's a top three Aaron Rodgers pass of recent memory in my opinion that pass was absolutely it, it was crazy beautiful. and that's and that's exactly what you you were pointing out how Peyton mentioned that the Saints were basically challenging him to throw at that too high safety and when he did it was absolutely electrifying we didn't have as many big plays as we're accustomed to seeing it was a lot of check downs and short little passes and yards after uh catch and, and stuff like that but that pass to Tunyon he challenged safety and and it was a I mean the craziest pass you'll ever see in your entire life awesome and that deep ball to Devontae Adams that really that was the game. That was the big yeah. turning point in the game. That 50-yard bomb to Devontae Adams and in the third quarter. In Aaron Rodgers' post-game conference, he had a few comments about the passing game. First of all, he said uh, sometimes you just need one play to spark the offense, and he noted that deep pass to Devontae Adams as play. the play to spark the offense. Beautiful pass, beautiful catch. Also, he said Aaron Rodgers in his post-game that he was absolutely gutted. That was the exact phrase he used, that he missed MVS on those touchdown passes. He – he, Aaron Rodgers said MVS had three opportunities to score touchdowns. One of them was the short slant when we were on the mm -hmm. goal line, that weird-looking, I hate I, that it little was, slant yeah, pass on the one-yard It was coming down line. hard with the rain. I think the ball slipped out of Aaron's So hand. that was one of the touchdowns, and then there were two other, one of the one of the deep throws, and one of them was actually on the one of the final plays we had of the night yeah. where we went for it, mm -hmm. and... He had MVS yeah, open, and you could just tell he was disgusted with that throw. So, yeah, uh, he he said, and he that he, you noted he he said he was gutted by it, and that, but he did mention that guys like MVS, Liz, Lazard, and AJ Dillon will have their opportunities to make plays, but this game was all about getting seventeen and thirty three going. The, oh, the Packers yeah. needed to establish him, and that's exactly what they did. And another amazing thing to see out there was the vintage classic Aaron Rodgers hurry up catch oh, 12 men on the field yeah. and get a, a first down completion to none other than Randall Cobb it, it was it was like watching 2011 Packers football all over again it was so great to see Randall Cobb get his first reception back and uh on a big play and uh it really was great that Aaron Rodgers you can't prevent that man from uh catching you no, when you're you trying to substitute yeah why are you, you Peyton Manning? He said, "On the, what the hell are the Lions even trying to substitute yeah, for? Yeah. You know Aaron Rodgers is going to get you with that. Yeah, you so, can't uh, be doing that. No. And, and he got him twice in a row. And uh, Randall, three receptions, 26 yards. But he picked up 14 yards on a third and 14. And then right after that, picked up nine yards on the third and nine to extend the drive. Packers go down and score. 
and uh, they're up 27-17. Yeah, he was key on that drive, and this was Aaron, uh, Aaron Rodgers said he wanted his security blanket back in Randall Cobb. I mean, yeah. this is what you have him in Green Bay for, for third and 14 and third and nine. He's going to pick up the first down. Yeah, it's he, Randall Cobb. That's what Randall Cobb does, and he's been doing it for It's for so, interesting so to long. see that. I've noticed him and Lazard are kind of splitting the reps for the wide receiver three spot. I mean, with this Matt LaFleur offense, there's a lot of times where we just have three wide receivers on the field. Yeah. And sometimes uh, Lazard and Cobb, you know, they're just going to have to split those reps. But uh, Yeah, and Lazard has really not been highlighted much at all this season. He only was targeted two times in the game on Monday. Uh, no, no, and no. He, correction, he wasn't targeted at all in the game on Monday. You're probably thinking he was wide open yeah. on that crossing route when Bob Tanyan scored. Yeah, yeah. Lazard was wide open yeah, no, coming across the middle. He wasn't targeted once in the game on Monday, and four of Aaron's five incompletions were thrown to Marquez Valdez-Scanlon. Just one other note that I'd like to mention about the Eli and Peyton Manning broadcast. Um it was really interesting when uh, Pat McAfee came on at one point. Yeah, I saw that. And he directly asked Peyton Manning, why do you think Green Bay's front office does not involve him in personnel decisions? And Peyton Manning was dumbfounded. He said he's extremely confused on by what's going on there because from early on in Peyton's career, his general manager sat him down after every season and they would have a discussion about the team needs, the locker room, the morale, any wide receivers Peyton was interested in. And it was just so interesting to hear that conversation. And Peyton Manning basically said, yeah, this is Aaron Rodgers. Why aren't they doing this for him? But I know, that's just a little side yeah, note. It makes, I, I, yeah, it makes absolutely no sense. Um, and uh, like we said a little earlier, Aaron Rodgers has every reason in the world to be angry with what's going on not only in the media but in general what's been going on um you bring up Lazard and and how he he hasn't been targeted much and that him and Randall are really swapping in and out as that wide receiver three and Lazard is an absolute amazing run blocker so when Lazard's on the field it's it's he's he's used as a blocker more times than not and since the goal of the day was to really establish the run, it, there was a it was a big day, and we need the Packers need a lot out of Big Dog and Daphne, and uh, they both had major responsibility on the day, and it showed in the snap count. Uh, and I want to do a a weekly cheese shout out to Dominique Daphne for playing a career high twenty nine snaps. Wow, how about that? Uh, lining up primarily as the fullback. But a career-high 29 snaps for Dominique Daphne. Uh, Mercedes Lewis took the brunt of the work for the tight ends, 36 snaps. Obviously, he was absolutely amazing as as the in-line blocker on the run plays. Tunyon had uh, the the least snaps out of the tight end room, but he was uh, ultra-productive in the receiving game. Like I said, uh, three receptions, 53 yards, a touchdown on the, already the play of the season so far that Aaron Rodgers throw to him was absolutely insane and there's some breaking news coming out of the Packers tight end room uh, as we wrap up the, the offensive portion of the show here Packers cut tight end Jace Sternberger uh, immediately following his two-game suspension for breaking the substance abuse policy yeah Jace Sternberger it was something we noted in our offseason review is that we both stated that we weren't sure if Jace Sternberger's roster spot was secure going into this 
this year because obviously he had his spot secure for the first two weeks being suspended. Mm-hmm. He didn't count on the active 53, and they didn't even give it a second thought. They released him right away this week, and um, not even an option for the practice squad. Him and his agent both released some sort of statement where they said it would be better if uh, they thought Jace maybe found a new NFL team to re invigorate his career yeah, if, well, if that's possible but yeah good luck to him i hope it happens maybe uh maybe a voluntary change of number would have done wonders <laughs> for his time here in uh green bay ultimately a very disappointing yeah uh, career third round draft pick he was a third round draft pick um and he was immediately slapped with number 87 uh right after jordy left yeah, the, so uh, basically goot lined up the uh, meeting time, so he had Jordy personally hand <laughs> Jay Sternberger on his way out the door. It was a goot mandate. But honestly, uh, the coaches were very high on him. They drafted him in the third round, immediately gave him Jordy's old number. and There was high hopes. There hey. was high hopes for Sternberger, and they never amounted to really um, anything other than some major special teams run <laughs> but uh yeah and one final note on the offense to end it on a positive note uh two things i want to mention mvs is going to score a touchdown next week it's just inevitable you could see aaron Rodgers was was pissed that he missed him on those passes and this is mvs's contract year uh he he knows he wants to get him those stats up and one other note about the offense i have to mention i was listening to Devonte adams post-game press conference and Devontae Adams, that man is just is just so badass. This is so what he badass. said. He literally said before the game, he walked around the locker room and looked every single man in the eyes <laughs> to see if they were ready or not to play. Now that now that, that is, is I didn't I didn't know he did that. <laughs> yeah, this was an exact oh, quote. Wow. And you could just see the intensity in his eyes. And uh he was talking about uh jones and some other guys specifically i forget who he mentioned but he said i went he looked in their eyes and he saw that they were ready to play i w- <laughs> that is that's badass i wonder what he saw when he looked into to kevin king's eyes <laughs> <laughs> or or lancaster's eyes i oh, wonder what he well, saw i lancaster wonder if he s- was ready i wonder if he saw any mediocrity when gazing into any of the eyeballs on the team i'm sure Chauncey Rivers' eyes reeked <laughs> of fear. Yeah, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm just, I'm just messing around. But that is badass, and uh, the offense needs to continue to roll, continue to get going, continue to expand and gain confidence. The offensive line's got a big test uh, week three Sunday night football as we take our what seems to be annual voyage to San Fran. Yeah, quick question for you before we get on yeah. to the defense. Uh, Aaron Rodgers was spot, spotted post-game with uh, ESPN Deportes broadcast team with a giant sombrero in hand, and I just would like to know what the deal is with that and the Senor Cheesehead uh, character that's oh, been getting so much well, pop. Well, yes, yeah, so, so I first – well, Senor Cheesehead, I believe he was highlighted on this edition of Monday Night Football um, – in some sort of um, uh, uh, like homage to, to honor uh, Latino heritage. Okay. Um, well, that's cool. But yeah, and he's a good friend of Aaron Jones. Is he? And the Packers. He's a Packers super fan. I actually discovered him last season 
Uh, I posted a weekly cheese thing on Instagram, and 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 Senor Cheesehead actually liked my wow. post, and I said, "Oh my goodness, Senor Cheesehead, who's this? Who's this guy?" And I clicked on his thing, and he's just—he seems like a cool guy. He's got the big sombrero, wow, so a cool he, Packer getup. He does offer more than a comically sized sombrero. Oh yeah, no, he is a Packers fan through and through. Interesting, uh, devout fan. He actually received one of those Packers Everywhere denim jackets that I want to get my hands on so bad. Those are beautiful. I want one of those with my last name on it, but he got one. And it was cool to see him out there. It was cool to see Aaron on the sideline uh, with the sombrero uh, speaking Spanish. I know every time the Monday Monday Night Football – uh, rolls into town and ESPN Deportes is doing the game. Aaron always yeah he has the, to the soft spot for in, them in, yeah. in Spanish. It was it was very cool to see, um, and yeah, it's gonna it, it's it was a sign of good things to come. It was a great hey. way to finish the the night. Uh, I believe everyone had a great rest of their night except for that one reporter who mistimed his follow up question. <laughs> Outside of that guy, everyone was having. Uh, Enjoyable night, and I will say, as far as uh, fan mascots go, uh, he is much cooler than Fireman Ed. From much the Jets. cooler than Fireman Ed. As far as fan mascots go, he is uh, he's he's much better than Fireman Ed, and just slightly not as cool as Tundra Man. <laughs> no, the, he is not nowhere near as cool as Tundra, Tundra Man. Tundra Man is the greatest. We'll throw up a picture uh, of Tundra Man here my, on the stream. It is my dream to interview <laughs> Tundra Man for the Weekly Cheese. Another Packers character that we've met on multiple occasions, um, and people who frequently visit the atrium will know this man. I don't think he has an official title, but he is the guy who you'll see in the atrium dressed in full uh, Acme Packer regalia yeah. with uh, the leather helmet and the, <laughs> yeah, yeah, the throwback yeah. jersey and, and, and the pants. The dirty pants. Yeah. Like he put yeah. them on and went sliding on a baseball field for a couple hours before he showed up to the atrium, like yeah. just getting them so, all dirty. I'm a big fan of that guy oh. as well. I mean, hey. Cheeseheads are the greatest fans on planet Earth, and they really are. The 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 fans that stand out in Lambeau Field are uh, better than any fan you could find in the entire National Football League. Fireman Ed pales in comparison to the Tundra Man in a death oh. match. Tundra Man well, comes Fireman out on Ed top. Quit. I don't know if you heard. Uh, he, back in the day, now he's back. Is he back? Yeah, I saw him this yeah, past he week. Can't uh, quit and then come yeah, back. Yeah, like no, that. he really soiled his reputation with you that think move. Tundra Man would ever quit his role as no. Tundra Man? No, I'm beginning to believe those icicles hanging from Tundra <laughs> Man's permanently beard are fixated per- yeah. to his skin. Yeah, they're permanently fixed. <laughs> they're there. He's he looks like that every day of the year, and it's. Love the man. I I think that guy goes into work in that outfit. Isn't that work for him? Isn't he Tundra Man LLC? (laughs) He should be. Uh, So let's get into this Packers defense here. I mean, as good as the Packers offense was, the same, unfortunately, (laughs) cannot be said about the defense, who, um, I mean, still showed a couple of glaring weaknesses, especially in the first two and a half quarters of the football game. The defensive line proved they really can't stop the run. Uh, the pass rush has been non-existent, uh, especially with Zadarius Smith off the field and the lack of blitz packages thrown out there from Joe Barry. Uh, and the secondary has had many breakdowns in terms of both communication and their coverage and assignments. And and these 
three weaknesses really allowed the Lions offense to march up and down the field during the first half. It was tough to watch. Yeah, you know, it's funny. Uh, we usually watch the games together. We didn't this week, so I was taking some notes on my phone. It's funny, the very first note I have is just that Kevin King sucks. <laughs> <laughs> I know that's – I think some Packer fans will think that's harsh. Some others certainly won't. Uh, there's mixed opinions upon, on him. Overall, he's a good player. He's just so extremely inconsistent, and, yeah, he, and he'll he – He'll make such a great play like he did in the second half, but then he'll let up a play like he did in the first half to Cephas 50 yards down the field. So And how he did in week one. The Kevin King experience is so frustrating. It really and is. And those injuries have slowed him up. Uh, it, it, he, back, like On these plays in th- where he's getting absolutely beat and destroyed now for 50 yards down the field, back in 2019 he had the speed and the – and the athleticism to stay with that guy a little bit and and challenge the ball in most cases, but he's been slow. He's horrible in off coverage, and he really has been underwhelming to start in a prove it year for him. Back on a one year contract. Yeah, he's on a one year six million dollar deal, if I'm not mistaken. So he got paid a good amount of money to come back and be a starting corner for us. And uh, right now, I'm just really waiting and anticipating the the rise of uh, Eric Stokes to take his position from him. It's only a matter of time. I mean, it, on in Monday's game, the Packers really weren't able to turn it around defensively until Eric Stokes had that amazing stop on fourth and one with like five minutes to go in the third quarter, I believe it was. Uh, Eric Stokes broke up that pass, and it, it was awesome to see. He had a great game. He He had a huge increase in snaps. He took 44 snaps this week, whereas last week he had eight. Uh, and he had a very yeah. a few very strong moments. Uh, he gave up the Lions' second touchdown of the game. Seemed to be maybe a, a Kevin King-related miscommunication on that play. <laughs> um, yeah. And, and he finished the game with two of the four pass breakups, and they both came on fourth downs. It no, was a great performance. Eric Stokes played great. Uh, he really did. And uh, especially that final Lions play of the game where they threw it into the end zone on a fourth and short, I believe, and – Stokes broke it up, and it was a great play, great reaction, and, and saved his, seven points there. And, and and with his momentum changing, playing the game, because the Lions were driving down the field in the third quarter until Stokes was able to get that fourth and one stop with five minutes left. That, and that halted the, the Lions' offense right there in its tracks. From then on out, the rain started coming down harder, and uh, Goff got a little more uncomfortable, and he ended up uh, coughing the ball up a few times. But that play by Eric Stokes brings me – to this week's Stunad of the Week. This week's, uh, and a reminder, the Stunad of the Week is not necessarily always a bad thing. It's just when you see someone do a Stunad move and something that was lacking brains in a specific moment. And this week's Stunad of the Week is none other than outside linebackers coach Mike Smith. <laughs> on that play where Eric Stokes broke up the pass on fourth and one, Mike Smith came running full speed off of the sideline with passion and excitement and and rammed his, not his head, not his face, but his mouth <laughs> directly into Eric Stokes' face mask, ended up chipping his tooth on the play. He was obviously injured after that. He took a horrible shot from Stokes' helmet, and uh, it, he earned himself the student of the week. Loved the passion, loved the excitement. 
uh, got to make a smarter decision than that. Yeah, he had to. And uh, <laughs> I was watching the game with my family, and my mom, who knows next to nothing about sports, was – <laughs> was laughing hysterically, just saying, "Why did that coach just run up to the guy and headbutt yeah, him?" Yeah, and it came like in the corner of the screen, like you could barely yeah. see it. The camera barely caught it, but he just poof. Yeah, and he literally headbutted him, and it, he came in hard, and he uh, they smashed. And the reports are he broke his tooth. He, right? he broke his tooth, and if you if you were to get a frame by frame close up of of him coming off the sideline. And like you just zoomed up on his face, you would literally it would be like a SpongeBob animation where you just see like every tooth in his mouth come out when he hits Eric Stokes' face mask yeah. at, at maximum velocity. Like he was moving as fast as he ever moved in his entire life, and he shattered his teeth. That's a and, great, uh, great pick. Because of that, he's a student of the week. Great pick. Uh, yeah, there seemed to be a lot of involvement with the coaches on the sideline. I don't know if you saw. At, uh, early in the first quarter when LaFleur was out there trying to pump up the crowd. On yeah, he yeah, was out yeah, there he raised the and roof. He, he was going nuts, and yeah. uh, that was great to see LaFleur getting everyone pumped up. Um, another note I had about the defense um, from the first half specifically is that our defense just has too many good, high-quality players for them to look that bad. I mean, we really do have great players, stars even, at every position. We have Jair Alexander, who's a top player in the league, Kenny Clark on the line. We have two safeties that are great. Um, this defense has a lot of talent, and it's unacceptable for them to look uh, that bad as they did in the first half. And, and it really comes down to the pass rush and and the front seven. I mean, the Packers' pass rush has not looked good at all over the first two games of the year, especially when sitting in a base package and rushing four guys. Um, and in the first half, Goff had nearly an average of four seconds to throw the ball, which yeah. is completely unacceptable. I have this stat here from ESPN that Goff was 12 for 13 at the half, nearly perfect. I think the one incomplete pass was just – possibly even a drop from the Lions. I mean, the first half, he was shredding Huss. Um, although, Preston Smith was getting some good, consistent pressure, and uh, there was some good hustle out well, there, like Rashawn Gary well, jumped on the fumble. Yeah. But um, with Zadarius on the IR, it's really going to be up to those two guys you just named to really step it up and, and get after the quarterbacks uh, for at least the next three weeks. We have a countdown to Zadaria now um, with his uh, being put on the IR. But... Gary and Preston need to step up, and Rashawn Gary, in my opinion, had a nice game. Uh, he recorded two quarterback hits. Uh, he nearly forced that fumble. He scooped up the other fumble, or right? Yeah. He scooped up. Yeah, and I really and think uh, Preston Smith played well. He was always getting in there with the pressure. Um, he had he he was the stat sheet didn't do him justice. He only had the one quarterback hit. He had no no tackles. Uh, what I will say about Preston is. I did notice on a couple of plays uh, he was jogging. I thought there was opportunities for him to chase down Goff and tackle him from behind on a few of those short scrambles. But uh, he, he seemed to be jogging a few times. He starts the game with immense energy. Uh, but as the game wears on, Preston, he, he takes plays off still. That's something I'm still yeah. noticing about him, that's and I hate little, to say it. That's a little discouraging to hear. I guess I didn't quite notice that because with Zadarius Smith being placed on IR, there's the rules are slightly different this year. He is going to miss a minimum of three weeks. Yeah. Now, with his back injury there, that could be anywhere from a six- to eight-week injury. 
So I wouldn't. I honestly wouldn't expect Zadarius Smith back immediately after the three week break. I mean, something fishy's going on there. I don't want to speculate too much about what it could be. Uh, I know a lot of people in the media are thinking it has something to do with the contract. Uh, I don't think so. At this point, I don't think it was because he was out there week yeah. one. And he just did not look like himself. I I don't think he would put him out himself out there and play like that uh, if he wasn't severely compromised yeah. with an injury. It's so important I, for him I think to get healthy. He's got a he's got a back injury. The all the conjecture about it being contractually related, I think, is now just proven false because yeah. the man's hurt. He could barely uh, move off the edge on week one to tackle a, a pitch play. Yeah, you know, and so. the one time he really made a play and he it was a, t- a time in the game where a play needed to be made he made the play and he got penalized for it unlawfully uh and, and with with Zadarius Smith out I mean Roshan Gary and Preston can't play every single snap and, and when they're off the field there needs to be more production out of Garvin and Rivers Chauncey Chauncey Rivers and John Garvin get absolutely stonewalled by the offensive line every single time I mean Garvin was able to get off uh and get to golf one time and he made the disruption that caused the interception that was thrown to Devondre Campbell in the second half. But besides that, both of those guys have been complete non-factors yeah. through two I mean, weeks. Even with our lack of production, there is a noticeable drop-off when Garvin and Chauncey Rivers enter the Huge game. Number. And it's Huge um I've, I've read online that the Packers may be exploring a trade for another outside linebacker if possible yeah. because um, they really do need some help. We've really uh, technically we had one sack in this game but basically we had zero sacks yeah the one sack the defense was credited for was the play where Goff was flailing around in the backfield and he he threw it up and the ref they blew the whistle but really if they let the play uh finish it would have been an incomplete pass yeah it- uh so there was basically no sacks not a lot of quarterback pressure they they need some help there yeah, and they need help in the middle linebacker area as well. The inside linebacker room is is uh, not deep whatsoever. Devondre Campbell had a pretty good game for himself. He had 13 tackles, an interception. He did give up the one touchdown to Hawkinson, but that was just a crazy throw and catch. There's really nothing he could have done about that. It was good coverage. Um, but really— That was good coverage on the— uh... The Campbell, yeah, on Gronkowski. Yeah, I thought he played well overall. He he had good coverage on there. It's funny they had Gronk on uh, the coverage. Hawkinson. Yeah, and they had Gronk on the coverage to talk about it. On oh, the, oh yeah, the yeah, Monday yeah, Night Football yeah. thing. And Gronk literally said that it was perfect coverage from Campbell. Yeah, but it's just you. It's too hard to defend that when you Sometimes have a, there's nothing that athletic of a tight end. Hawkinson is a good player, and for those remember. We had a, we had a chance to draft Hawkinson, but went with Sternberger instead, <laughs> and he got cut. Um, yeah, and, and it's good to see Devontae Campbell producing out there, but re- really got to hope that Devontae Campbell could stay on the field and stay healthy. The inside linebacker room lacks all depth, um, and if he could stay healthy, the Packers continue to run more uh, nickel and dime packages, keep one interior linebacker on the field, and. Uh, get guys moving around because the last thing we need to see is a Ty Summers game. Oh. Um, and, and Chris Barnes comes in for his 20 or so snaps like he did this past week, and things and will be okay. Barnes uh, recovered the fumble. That's right. He recovered the fumble. Uh, 
when Goff couldn't handle the Lambeau Field moisture. Yeah, the boys. And that was something I texted you during the game where Goff is, you know, his fingers, they're just, they're not as accustomed to the Lambeau climate and moisture no. as Rodgers are. He I was mean, thinking, his he was, fingers are hardened, you know, he would never, never a snap. He, it, it, the whole entire, like, only Soldier Field, I guess, because the Vikings and the Lions have domes because they can't deal with the elements like true NFC North teams are supposed to. It's a disgrace. But, but I mean, Goff's coming from sunny uh, California down there with the Rams. Lambeau Field moisture is oh, – he, yeah. he had a little bit of experience with it last year and when he lost in the playoffs. <laughs> Clearly, he was not prepared for the moisture. The second time around was no better. No better. Um, and the Packers' defensive line has not shown it could really win in the trenches, stop the run, win the point of attack. The Lions running backs average four yards per carry, and Kenny Clark was really the only guy doing anything out there on the defensive line. Yeah, when it comes to the defensive line, uh, it's Kenny Clark and a rotation of just average guys, in my opinion. Uh, Dean Lowry, Tyler Lancaster, TJ Slayton, are, and then Jack Heflin, if you want to throw him in there, are just all basically. And, and Kingsley Kiki. And Kiki. And, and he played significant He snaps. played significant snaps, and I have to say, he, he did not play good whatsoever. And that's why you failed to mention him right there, because yeah. he's out there for 36 snaps, and Kingsley wow. Kiki has 24 pass rushes and not one pressure, and he's getting absolutely moved around by blockers and, and run. And he I thought he put on the extra weight to uh, – aid in the in the run defense but it, it really was not a good day for him it's strange to me that tj slayton's only playing six snaps especially with how kiki looks out there and especially with how lancaster looks out there if lancaster can't start holding the point of attack dude um <laughs> he, there's no point of him being on the field i know it's, uh, as um, much as it pains me to say it yeah, I mean, I, no, we're a lancaster podcast we absolutely love tyler lancaster here at the weekly cheese but his performance of late has been below earth crust no, single blockers are just destroying him taking yeah. him out of the play eliminating him from the field basically yeah and, and tyler lancaster is a non-factor non-factor and he needs to turn it around the whole entire defensive line needs to turn around because it can't just be kenny clark out there but kenny honestly clark needs a counterpart we cannot pin it on land no it's no. not his fault he's not they're putting him in an all him and lowry are are have such high expectations and they're just not dominant players and you know it's not for me to like be complaining we can't have amazing uh players at every single position we already have kenny clark there but the drop off from kenny clark to to lowry Lam- lowry and lancaster is startling yeah, and, and kiki i mean kiki is it's, it has not been a great start of the year for kingsley kiki no, but, and this is his what is his third year or fourth? It's it's his third year. It is yeah. his third year with the Green Bay Packers, and we 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 can only hope that things get better because looking ahead to next week, the Green Bay Packers have quite the opponent to take on on Sunday Night Football, um, and the fact that we're away at that opponent again yeah. is Packer fans who. Oh, just pa- Packer fans will know, and even a general Packers fan will could take notice that this is the fourth time in a row we're going out to San Francisco. Yeah, yeah, and it makes absolutely no sense to me. When are they going to have to come to Lambeau Field? And 
and have one of these matchups. And, and I don't like going out to San Francisco because every single time the Packers go out there in recent memory, it's, uh, it's really, not been a really pleasant uh, East Coast trip, uh, yeah. West Coast trip. Yeah, it's I should not say. at all. No, it's uh, it's always it's always scary going to San Francisco and this year more than others because the Packers defense has not looked fantastic to start the season. And it's a major point of concern taking on Kyle Shanahan and the 49ers. I mean, the Packers' defense over the first two games have allowed seven touchdown passes, 4.8 yards per carry. They've, they haven't been able to get off the field to save their lives. Opponents are score, uh, converting 47.4% of their third down conversions, and, and they're wow. scoring on 50% of all possessions. The Packers' defense has really been bad and it's scary because Kyle Shanahan is perhaps the best play caller in the league and he has six and a half quarters from the first two weeks of the season to just pick apart and build a game plan for and it it, he can't be afraid he must be foaming at the mouth yeah I think that next week versus the 49ers will be the real test to see how the Green Bay Packers look because week one you can treat that as the final preseason game if you want with this 17-game schedule. And last week, we played the Detroit Lions at Lambeau Field. And we're we're the Green Bay Packers. That That's going to be a win. We're Green Bay Packers. are going to take care of business against the Lions at Lambeau Field. Now we're going out to San Francisco to play the 49ers. Yeah. We'll, we'll, we'll see how this team fares. We'll see how we look. Yeah, the matchup really does provide this Packers squad with a, with an opportunity to take a huge step forward. I mean, uh, one good thing I could think of is Joe Barry should be, for the most part, pretty familiar with what Kyle Shanahan likes to do, being that he was on the Rams coaching staff for the past several seasons. He's played Kyle Shanahan's Niners twice a year, so he should have – I mean, let's be honest, it's Joe Barry we're talking about here, so who knows? But it, it there is reason to believe that he should have somewhat of an understanding of what the 49ers offense likes to do, and it's a great opportunity for the Packers defense to really just begin reshaping the way other teams look at them. Um, and it starts with stopping the run and, and getting off the field. The Packers are going to have a giant task in front of them of stopping the 49ers very productive run game uh Packer fans know that our run defense has been the Achilles heel for many many years now and the 49ers specialty is their exotic running game and I don't need to tell any Packer fans what can happen when we play the 49ers with a bad run defense yeah no if the Packers don't start stopping the run early and getting off the field and giving the ball back to Aaron Rodgers a couple takeaways might be nice if they don't provide that the defense we're all in for a classic sunday night massacre in san francisco it's (laughs) i i hate to say it but it really is that imperative that the packers stop the run we can they cannot allow kyle shanahan to run all over them take the sean payton approach 15 yard 15 play drive 15 play drive 15 play drive and eat the clock um and on the offensive side of the ball it's about winning the battle up front uh the san francisco 49ers they have a dominant defensive line a dominant pass rush, and really no matter who's thrown out there for the Packers' offensive line, they need to protect Aaron at all costs and, and open up holes for the running, running backs. So that was, yeah, that was big that you brought up. Uh, the offensive line protecting Aaron Rodgers for this game, uh, that can lead into the relic of the week. Here. Yeah, yeah. The, the, in, in order to give 
this Green Bay Packers young offensive line, all the power and and good juju going into this matchup with the the, the 49ers defensive front, the, it's only fitting that this is the relic of the week. Uh, Mike here has brought something very, very special as the, uh, the weekly relic. Uh, we care to share. And what it is here is a Brian Bulaga plaque. Oh. And now this is another item that is uh, <laughs> most likely another one of one here on the weekly cheese. This is a Brian Bulaga uh, wooden plaque with his <laughs> name etched into the wood and uh, a very beautiful picture of him in his two point stance. Yeah, on the front, got a nice and, placard. Uh, some would ask, uh, why? Why do you have a plaque of Brian Bulaga? And simply is because I love that man. Brian Bulaga is one of my all-time favorite Green Bay Packers. He was the stalwart right tackle for a decade, uh, Super Bowl champion in 2010, protected Aaron Rodgers for a long time successfully, and um, Brian Bulaga is what our offensive line needs to aspire to this week playing at Bulaga level standards. Yeah, they need to they need to all tap into their inner Bulaga. Absolutely. They need to get ready to have the game of their careers. Uh, Newman and Runyon or Lucas, uh, Patrick and Josh Myers, these guys need to be ready for Boza. I mean, they're preparing to take on one of the most feared pass rushers the league has to offer, and if they do their job, if they tap into their internal Bulaga, everything will go swimmingly. And my prediction, Green Bay Packers will win a shootout 38-35. Yep, I think it's about time the Packers uh, get the monkey off their back of going to San Francisco and beating the 49ers. I do think that they're going to win this weekend in a shootout. I'll say 31-24 to Green Bay Packers. I think that um, the 49ers are, have been such a thorn in the Packers' side now for what seems like over a decade, dating back to the, the, the two playoff losses to Colin Kaepernick yeah. uh, and company. But, uh, yeah, just the 49ers, I would love for our Green Bay Packers to get a big win over them out in San Francisco. They, they, they've looked uh, – Obviously, they looked good week one playing the Lions, but everyone's going to look good playing the Lions. They, I watched the entire Niners-Eagles uh, game last week, and the, the 49ers can be beat this year. They're not as good on offense as they once were. They're still a good team, uh, but the Packers can hang with them. Uh, they clearly can hang with them, and we got to get it done. The inner Bulaga. Not just the offensive line. All of us cheeseheads must tap in to our inner Bulaga. Yeah, get out the finger tape this weekend. Yeah. Tape up the fingers like Bulaga used to do. Yeah, I'll be watching the game with my fingers taped, that's for sure. And you all should be too out there. Mike and I, we could send you a roll of black electrical tape. That's Bulaga's tape of choice. And, uh, yeah, tap into the inner Bulaga. And to wrap up the episode, we're just going to – Give our locks of the week here uh, for this week three slate of NFL games this weekend. My two locks of the week, obviously, Packers plus three and a half. I mean, that's the easiest cover ever, I say, with a little 
hesitance in my voice. But on top of that, I'm taking Cardinals minus seven over Jacksonville, Cleveland minus seven over Chicago. Lock them up. My absolute favorite lock of this weekend would be the Tennessee Titans over the Indianapolis Colts. Right now, the Titans are a five-and-a-half-point favorite, and I just think that is very, very low, considering uh, Carson Wentz, the man made of tissue paper, somehow (laughs) managed to sprain both of his ankles. (laughs) (laughs) Donald, the guy literally sprained both ankles, so he's he's not going to be playing Right now, they have Jacob Eason playing, and he's the dude who literally threw one pass in the game and threw an interception to Jalen Ramsey. So, uh, no, I'm all over the Titans this weekend. Uh, Minus five and a half points. That line might change from when you're hearing this. And also, uh, another game that absolutely is a lock would be The Las Vegas Raiders over the Miami Dolphins. Somehow, for some reason right now, the Raiders are only a three-and-a-half-point favorite over the Dolphins, who are going to be trotting out Tua Tunga-Vailoa with a flak jacket and broken ribs. Oh, um, I'm sure Jay Glazer will have something to say about Jay that Glazer, Kevlar. He'll be all over the Kevlar, uh, but it's not going to do him any good. The Raiders are only a three-and-a-half-point favorite. Their Raiders-Titans are... My locks of the week. I like him. I like him. Uh, I, I, to go back to the Carson Wentz double sprained ankle once more. Uh, as soon as I saw that headline, you know, I you know I thought of, I thought of uh, that that episode of SpongeBob. That guy, I was born with glass bones and paper skin. <laughs> that literally Every is Carson Wentz. Legs. Every night I break my arms. That's the guy. <laughs> that's the guy I thought of. The uh, con artist. Speaking of injuries, I guess we should mention that the Packers got out of this week two game fairly healthy. Yeah, no, unscathed. I don't think any uh, real major injuries at all to report. No, I know that Deguara is still recovering from that concussion that seemed absolutely devastating when he was down on the oh, field in week yeah. one. It was a devastating, so, devastating. It seemed moment. like that was going to be a season ender, but uh, it was good to see him get up. It was good to see him get up. Everyone seemed pretty concerned when that was going on. And, um, yeah, another thing, uh, it was good to see Darnell Savage out there. You know, I know he finished last uh, week one with a little bit of an injury. It's good to see him get out there and uh, not come out of the game for any uh, re-aggravation. Or yeah, Darnell like Savage finished the game strong. And Speaking uh, of which, I'm wearing my this just in, fresh off the presses, Darnell Savage 1950s throwback from the pro shop just came in today. Very nice fit. Which is absolutely beautiful. So the other injury to track for next week would be Lucas Patrick. See how he's doing, even though Runyon did start over him. And one other shout-out I'd like to give to end the show here is a shout-out to Leroy Butler, who was actually today nominated for the Pro Football Hall of Fame class. Oh, That's great to hear. I hope this is the round of entries he gets in. Leroy deserves to be in, in the pro football. Leroy Hall of Butler, fame. one of my favorite Packers of all time. Same number, same position as Nick Collins, another all-time favorite Packer, and uh, couldn't be happier for Leroy. And he's been waiting this whole time to get into the the Hall of Fame, and it's it's about damn time Leroy Butler gets his due respect. Good shout out there. 
And that'll do it for this week of this week's episode of the Weekly Cheese. Make sure to tune in next week. We'll have all things for you for uh, the coverage of the Packers versus San Francisco 49ers victory, as well as looking ahead to uh, the Packers' upcoming schedule. Yeah, it's a big game this weekend. Packers got to get it done. Got to win the battle up front. It starts up front on Sunday. And hopefully we're talking next week with excitement and joy and not anger and remorse. Thanks for listening. Have a good night, everyone. And as always, remember, the cheese stands alone. Have a good night.